a horrible conspiracy involving man's best friend. And then we take a look at a conspiracy that involves the highest levels of government. Was there a plan to project a holographic Jesus in the sky? We'll find out when we look at Project Bluebeam today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. Hope you guys had a great weekend, and we're going up to Thanksgiving here. I'm going to try to find some Thanksgiving-related conspiracies. I think Thanksgiving is the middle child of the winter holidays, because everyone's like getting ready for October at Halloween, and then we go into Christmas right away. There's no like Thanksgiving music. Like, eat that turkey, don't get gravy on your shirt. Like, there's nothing like that. There's some Thanksgiving movies, but a lot of times they're just kind of like holiday movies. I think most movies, you have like Halloween Town and The Witches and every horror movie. And then for Christmas, you have like Christmas Vacation and It's Wonderful Life and all that stuff. But there's not any like big Thanksgiving movies. Die Hard doesn't take place during Thanksgiving. So I'm going to see if there's some Thanksgiving... There's a ton of Thanksgiving true crimes, unfortunately, because you get a bunch of people together who don't necessarily like each other, i.e. family. I'm going to see if I can find some Thanksgiving-based conspiracies, like... Or even... I'll even go for Thanksgiving ghosts. Ghosts that only come out on Thanksgiving. But I'm going to see what I can find. And you're like, Jason, that's what the weekend's for. That's when you're not recording your podcast. It's to do your research. But I'm going to still see if I can find some Thanksgiving-related conspiracies for you. Um, now that I'm thinking about Thanksgiving, get some mashed potatoes. I'm I'm not going to do the keto this week because I'm going to get me some some uh, Thanksgiving. I, and you're like, Jason, you have a... <laughs> Why go off your diet for a week if you're only going to be eating for one day? Well, that's so I'm not so sick that one day. So I'm not like, oh, I ate a bunch of potatoes and stuffing on... One day, I don't know. I'm just making excuses because I wanted to eat a candy bar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. But anyways, yeah, I'm taking a break. So I'm going to get some stuffing and some potatoes, and some green beans, and some turkey. So the first story we're going to cover here, it's it's a sad one, guys. If you like, If you like puppies and you like cats, then, uh... Just skip ahead until you hear me talk about beams in the sky. But if you don't like puppies, or cats, if you don't like puppies or cats, I love puppies and cats. And this is actually—I read this story and I honestly thought it was fake. I thought it was a moral panic. I was like, "There's no way this is going on." If it is going on, it's on a very, very limited scale. When I first saw the headlines, I'm linking around. I'm like, "I don't believe this. I don't believe this is actually happening." But it is. So, what happened was. Let's make it a personal story real quick. So there was a woman, there is a woman named Heather, uh, can't pronounce her last name, Piri, Piri Rare, Piri Era, it doesn't matter. There's this girl named Heather, she lived in Kentucky. She brought her puppy into the vet, and she's like, I don't know what happened to my dog. He has these cuts on him, and the vet's like, oh my god, like, he must have, like, really got scraped by something. She's like, yeah, you know, he's been in a lot of pain. Do you have any tramadol? I, that has helped him in the past, and the vet's like, oh, yeah, sure, I give him some tramadol and bandage him up, and oh, okay. Well, then a while, a, a while later, she comes back with her dog after a period of time and says, oh, my dog, look at these cuts, it got cut again. 
that's like, oh, oh my, like, you're right. Look at these. Ooh, these cuts look incredibly straight. They don't look like they would have come from, like, an animal. You know, yeah, yeah, my dog got cut. That's the bottom line. Do you have any tram at all for my dog? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. The vet gives the dog some tramadol. This happened three times, and eventually the vet was like, okay, something's up. These cuts look like they were made deliberately. They don't look like it was a raccoon was like, came at him. Doesn't look like he, like, was walking on some rusty stuff. They looked very straight. Called the cops. Cops investigate her. They grab Heather, and she admits that she was cutting the dog with a razor blade giving him cuts on his tummy or cuts on his back, wherever, and then taking him to the vet and saying, my dog's been injured, I need tramadol. Now, you read that and you're like, you hear that and you're like, that's just, oh, the woman went to jail. The, and she'd done it at another clinic too. You're like, okay, Jason, that's a one-off story. I can see an addict doing that. Not an addict, an addict um, doing that. And that's kind of where I was at in this story. I was like, I'm sure there's one example of somebody doing this. CDC actually this year released a letter. So the Center for Disease Control and Prevention said, we believe this is an ongoing issue. We believe that people are purposely injuring their pets for opioids. Not only that, people think that they're taking other people's pets injuring them and taking them to the vet. So for the addict who doesn't have a pet, they will steal your pet and be like, oh, this dog, look at, he has a broken leg. And the guy will be like, oh my God, what's his name? And they're like, uh, uh looking around the room. His name's Labcoat. Um, yeah, he needs pain medication. So again, you're like, moral panic. They did a study in Colorado and they asked vets this question. 13% of owners of vet clinics said that they believed that people were making their animals ill, or lying about the animal's illness to get opioids. So 13% of the veterinarians who took part in the survey were were like, yeah, we think this is an actual issue. We think this is going on. And even a higher amount said, we think that someone in our staff may be taking opioids. See, the problem is, is that there's only two opioids right now that are made specifically, or they're like FDA approved for use in animals. So they have to use human opioids. So they're using normal stuff. So they've said, the CDC says, listen, veterinarians need to be aware of the signs of Drug-seeking bennies is the term. Drug-seeking beneficiaries, it's basically people who game the system to get their drugs. Now, a lot of times people do it in their medical, like, you know, oh, man, I walk into the doctor, I'm like, you know, oh, I, I hurt my wrist, and I have no injury at all, or maybe I injured it myself or whatever. I'm like, oh, can I get some 800 milligram? And generally, they know the brand names, like, right off the bat. That's a sign. Also, you know, they look like drug addicts, but not everyone who's addicted to drugs looks like a drug addict. So one of the signs is you walk in and you just start talking about, oh, yeah, can I get, you know, 800 milligrams of 389s and I want the the pink pills, not the, the yellow circles. And they, they maybe they're not that obvious about it. But so we've seen people do that in for their medical conditions. Animals are basically trained to love you and trust you. And if you're injuring them to get your drugs, there's something extra despicable about that. And the worst part is some people just go in and say, my dog can't eat, my dog can't do that, and they'll lie. But if you're actually injuring the animals, and then you're taking the drugs, the animal's injured and doesn't get the drugs. Horrible. So they'll have to figure something out. And they were going on to say they're looking at alternative treatment for animals. 
So you're not necessarily giving him opioids. It may be something that they start restricting it like they do with humans, where they're like, yeah, his paws hurt, but, you know, just give him some Tylenol or something like that. And they're like, no, no, you know. If the dog has cancer or something, you're like, yeah, we'll give him, he can go home with a bag of heroin for all we care. He has he's cancer. He's going to die. But they, they're trying to look at alternative Alternative remedies for pets. And they can't really meditate, but, you know, just other health things. It's funny. I went and saw my doctor the other day. Hadn't seen her in a year and a half. And we were talking. I told her about the podcast. And she's like, oh, that's really cool. And I was like, oh, yeah, Dead Rabbit Radio. Check it out. It's like really blowing up. It's a lot of fun and all that stuff. And then I've just started recently listening to the podcast over again. Because I never really, I record the episode and I know everything that's coming. So I'm always like, you know, so I wait, I and I do this one with my writing and everything, too. I tend to wait till I've kind of forgotten what it was about before I go back and revisit it. And I'm listening. I started back on episode one, and I'm on, like, episode eight or nine. And I'm like, my doctor, she doesn't prescribe me anything. <laughs> She's always trying to tell me to do this alternative medicine, and I can buy Bungo Bungo Root on my own time. I'm coming to you because I need an antibiotic. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot that I did that episode. And then I just recommended her to listen to it. So sorry. Sorry, Doc. It's funny. You get to an age where you're older than your doctor. I'm at that age now. She has to probably be in her late 20s, early 30s. So I'm much older than her. That's just an aside. So but yeah, what she's what my doctor's trying to do with me is saying, let's look at these alternative. You're having digestive issues. Why don't you try milk thistle or whatever? They kind of want to move away. If you have a temporary problem, they don't want to give you something that they feel is going to cause a problem later. So that's the thing. So I think that's what you're going to see doctors do with animals. They're going to say, yes, he has a broken leg, but we could give him a pill that'll make him feel happy and just take naps all the time. But because people are abusing this, we can't do that. We don't want to add to this problem. So here's some alternative methods to deal with your dog's pain. And it absolutely sucks. It absolutely sucks that these poor little puppies and cats and turtles. And I wonder if there's painkillers for fish. Do fish even feel pain? And if so, are there painkillers you can... Can you just like squirt painkillers into the water? But yeah, you know, um, they're just going to have to figure out other ways to treat this. Because this 13% that they found in Colorado... We could, we could say probably a, a fair assessment is 5% nationwide could be dealing with this issue. 5% of vets could be having people coming in with this stuff. And that's a huge amount for people. So if they just say we're not prescribing pain medication anymore unless your cat has a tumor, then that can help uh, stop that route and stop sickos like this woman here from hurting her poor little puppy. The, the, the dog went to another family and has not had any... Razor blade incidents since, so horrible stuff. Okay, so the next conspiracy we're going to talk about was something that I've been aware of for a long, long time. I was a kid. This really, this conspiracy really started in like 1994, 1996. I had just graduated high school. And back then, everything was pretty much in book form. There weren't a lot of websites on conspiracies, or they were, but you couldn't find them unless you had the web address. You didn't really know what to look for. And I remember hearing about this conspiracy theory, and it really scared me. Like, it was one of the ones that I thought was absolutely possible. I remember just it being like, oh man, like, if this happens, this will fool millions of people, and, and all of these things will come true, and so on. I was a, I was a kid. Uh, yeah, it, it was quite terrifying to me and i don't know why like looking back on it it's completely ridiculous but i also believed at the time 
that when Clinton was Clinton was going to install death camps and when he lost the election, you know, he didn't lose the election, but when he stops being president, he's not going to leave office. He's going to take over the country and he's going to throw everyone into a death camp, all that nonsense. That whole Agenda 21, that's been around for the past three presidents. Bush isn't going to leave office. He's going to set up. A- Obama's not going to leave office. He's going to set up. a. But anyways, I had been researching conspiracy theories and paranormal and stuff like that since I was 12. And I remember coming across this and I was like, this is plausible. This is a plausible conspiracy theory. Now, what's interesting was I don't think it's plausible so much anymore, but not because of what it includes. This was always an interesting puzzle for me. Just like Comet Elenin, I did that episode about Comet Elenin. I have my own theory about Bluebeam, but let's talk about Project Bluebeam first, and then I'll get into my theory. So Project Bluebeam, there was a book published in 1994 called Project Bluebeam by a Quebecy. He's from Quebec, Quebecois, Quebecian. His name was Serge Monest, Sir, which is a pretty dope name. I'm sure people are like, no, it's Sergi Monista. But anyways, we're going to call him Serge. So Serge Monest was, uh, wrote this book called Project Bluebeam in 1994. Now, he had a bit of a conspiracy involving himself as well. He was homeschooling his children and the police took him away. They're like, you can't homeschool your kids. And he was like, no, you got to let me homeschool my kids. And he said the police were after him, and they were because they were after him to get his kids. And they removed the kids from the house. He got arrested. And then the next day, he died of a heart attack. And conspiracy theorists have said all of that had to come down to him exposing the truth to Project Bluebeam. Now, we'll get back to his death in a second. But let's go ahead and move on to what actually Project Bluebeam is. Now, Project Bluebeam, Project Bluebeam had four steps. Step one. There was going to be staged earthquakes all over the world. Oh, look out. Uh, run. Uh, people are throwing their pets under the rubble and <laughs> taking them to the vet. Oh, no, look at Please give me some pills. So Serge Mon- Monast, Serge, said that. I'm pretty sure it's Ser- Sergei, but it's, uh, whatever. Uh, Serge was like, there's going to be these staged earthquakes all over the world. And what's going to happen is it's going to reveal these documents, the stone tablets, these texts, showing other religions are wrong. So you would find relics that disprove Muhammad was the prophet. You would find relics that would disprove Buddhism and disprove Christianity and all this stuff. So that'd be the first step. So first people would be like, that's weird. We found these stone tablets that show Jesus like kicking a kid down the street. Maybe we should double think our whole Christianity thing. So you're like, okay, that's that's a plausible. That's like chapter one of a disaster novel, kind of like an intriguing thriller. There's earthquakes that are staged by the government, and people are finding these texts that disprove what we think of as history. You're like, okay, that's fairly plausible, Jason. Step two, space holograms. So <laughs> step two was this. Each region in the world, based on whatever national faith was the most popular, You would see, like, over America and Europe, you would see Jesus appear in the sky. Which would be terrifying. And I think that was one of the reasons why this one terrified me. It it gets creepier, but imagine you're just walking down the street one day, and you see everyone looking up at the sky, and you look up and you just see a giant Jesus floating in the sky. Like a 30-foot-tall Jesus. And then in the Middle East, they look up and they'll see... Allah or Muhammad, but here's the problem. They don't really know what he looks like. 
because they don't have any pictures of him. Not like there's pictures of Jesus, but, you know, at least there's representations of what we think, of what we... It, it, that's not what he looks like at all. He was Jewish and he was short, but you know, you have like, oh, if 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 even an atheist looked up in the sky, he could be like, oh, that looks that that looks like how Jesus is portrayed in the media. So I don't know what you would see in the Middle East, and and then Judaism would just have like some old dude, some old God Moses looking dude, and then Buddhism would have Buddha floating around. I guess in, like, atheist countries, it would just be a blank sky. You just look up and go, like, sunny day out. Yeah, look at that. Nothing. I heard in America, Jesus is floating around, but up here is just the sun. So anyways, religious uh, icons from all over the world appear. And that, dude, could you imagine being in India then? It would just be, like, this fiery, like, eight-armed elephant riding four donkeys. I'd be like, ah, oh, oh, man, why do I just get the Jesus hologram? Anyways, so all these holograms appear. And then they all shapeshift to form the same vision of this new God. And then it's like, I am the one true God. Worship me. Like, all the, I've shown you that the texts from the old world were wrong. I caused the earthquakes. I am the true God. It puts something in your head that if you don't follow the instructions of this new God, it actually will start to drive you insane. And you may kill yourself. So you almost feel drawn to do whatever this hologram says. So apparently the way that this works is it's the holograms are based. There's a satellite that can shoot holograms. It projects them on the sodium layer, which is apparently 60 miles up. Encircling the entire planet, there's something called the sodium layer that can work as a film screen. And that's what UFOs are. They're just all holograms. It's the system being tested. They've apparently had this technology since, you know, the 1940s. And it's all just a test to see if they can actually get people to look up at the sky and see something ridiculous and believe in it. And this satellite can also uh, abduct people. And the reason why it's set up to do that is it's to simulate the rapture, which is in Christian lore, in some Christian lore, there's a lot of debate over whether or not it's even in the Bible, but that all the believers will be raptured up and taken off the planet and everyone else is left to suffer while the Antichrist is doing his crazy thing on Earth. So it would just suck up a bunch of people. And you'd be like, I told you the rapture was true. Ah, flying up. And then they like slowly freeze to death. I, it, That's kind of vague. They don't say where those people go if the space is just littered with a bunch of bodies. Because they're obviously not getting raptured. They're just being sucked up into the sky. The UN decides to use the song Ode to Joy as their song to unite the people. You know, that song. And so that is going to be that song. And it's almost like, so that you have those factions. You have the people who believe 100%. And then you have the people that are going crazy and just massive unrest. And the UN starts to create this new world order. And they use Ode to Joy as their theme song. That's all stage two. And you're like, man, there's two more stages. Yes, two more stages. Stage three. Telepathy. So all the knowledge we have of Bluebeam, because the book is out of print. There's a few mentions. Now now there's more information, but at the time, at, at the time of Serge's death, there was a few mentions on the internet, a transcript of a lecture, and that's it. So some of the information is spotty on what his theories actually were. But so step three had is labeled uh, telepathy, and it says that it talks about this thing called uh, the telepathic electronic two-way communication. And it's basically a direct or indirect communication into your head from this satellite. 
So it's beaming stuff in your head and you can either contact it, you can either read your mind and you can talk to it, or it's just images being broadcast into your head. And that it's weird that that's its own step because that's kind of implied in step two. Step four is the end game. So we've all seen this. There's massive riots. People are really just like, I guess my religion is fake. And I must serve this new god, or this religion's fake and I'm fighting it. Oh, my head. Oh, and then they start rioting. Step four is the end game of Bluebeam. And there's three different scenarios. So one of these three will happen once Project Bluebeam's gotten to stage four. One, people aren't down with the whole Jesus religious thing. People see it and they're just like, that's not my god. Even the people who, like, it doesn't basically work for them, or the tele- telepathy thing isn't working, or whatever. So, I, I it's kind of weird, because these are almost like, these these are the final step, but it's almost like their contingent, contingency plan. So, let's say the Jesus thing doesn't work. Everyone's like, they see a plane fly through Jesus, they're like, that's not Jesus. They then use Blue Beam to show an alien invasion. A full-on alien invasion being projected into our skies. Countries fire nukes at them which is what they would do. The nukes obviously fail because they're holograms. And then it's revealed it was all a trick. It was all a trick. But the fact that governments could be confused by these holographic UFOs and previous holographic Jesus shows that they can't have nuclear weapons so their nuclear weapons are taken away. So that's that's one scenario that happens. Scenario two is that uh, all the Christians get raptured by aliens because there's an evil demonic force coming. So, and again, you're like, Jason, that doesn't make sense because Jesus was just floating around. But they, they, because we don't have a ton of information on Project Bluebeam. But again, contingency plans. These may be the setup for if they decide to not go with the Jesus thing, actually. We kind of have to guess at this point. But it's that uh, Christians get raptured and everyone else is like, why are we left? And they're like, oh, you'll find out. <laughs> there's a bunch of demons coming in space. And then the third one is that there is using fiber optic cables. And again, you're like, okay, that's all like, again, science-based. You know, radio waves into your head to simulate telepathy. The last contingency plan for Project Bluebeam is that using fiber optic cables, coax cables, telephone cables, electrical cables, demons will jump through your electronics and beat you up. Satanic ghosts projected all over the world will show up and be like, basically like Ghostbusters. And it would just be like this mass attack from all the supernatural forces. And it would make people go, please, government, save us from all these demons. That's completely ridiculous. And that's weird to say. Out of all the stuff that I've just read, that has to be one of the dumbest possible scenarios. Demons are jumping out of your coax cable and scaring you so much you ask the government to help you. That's, I I think at that point, Serge was just like, ah, whatever, dude, I'm just done. He said that at the end of the lecture because he needed to go get a drink of soda. He's like, they're like, so is that all? And he's like, yeah, um, ghosts come out of your phone. I'll I'll be back. I'll see you later. The point of Project Bluebeam is to instill, so we have all those scenarios, those four stages, and the three contingency plans. The point of Project Bluebeam, you're thinking, what's the point? It's to create a police state. It's to create a state of world where people are so fearful, so unsure, so terrified, so demonically possessed, so I can't go near my toaster because Ball Bareth may jump out of it. You got hologram Jesus in your sky, your neighbors got raptured, and then you saw their bodies fall when the beam shut off. 
you got this guy who you think is demonically possessed, and you got ghosts coming out of your fridge every time you open it. So you're like, please, government, please form a police state. What I just told you is pretty much everything we know about Project Bluebeam, because again, there's not a lot of information on it, but there's just enough to get the creative juices flowing. Now, the thing is, is like I use I and I've talked about this in other episodes, conspiracy theories that nobody knows about. They tend to be true. Now, that's, I know that sounds weird, but I've come across conspiracy theories that there is a very, very limited amount of information on. And they're kind of tucked away in corners of the internet, and you read it, and you're like, oh my god. And then you try to do research on it, and there's nothing. And again, it means a few things. One, it can mean that it's totally fake. It's like absolutely made up, and it never caught on. Two, it means that it's... It's still fake, but I, one could be that they're just lying and making it up. Full stop. The second one is that it's fake, but it hasn't gotten popular yet. And the third one is it's real, and it's being actively suppressed, and that's why the information's not getting out there. If 9-11 was a tr- really an inside job, nobody would know about it. Gulf of Tonkin, those conspiracy people weren't like, oh, dude, did you hear about Vietnam? Yeah, they blew up their own boat, and they faked this attack, and stuff like that. All of that information came out decades later. There may have been an intrepid journalist back then reporting on it. The story never got published. Because it was an active conspiracy. It wasn't until much later that people were able to actually sit down and confirm that the Gulf of Tonkin didn't happen. So... I was like, I heard about it. I couldn't confirm anything of it. I didn't know why at the time. Because, again, we didn't have a lot of information on it. it. I would stumble across it, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember that one. That one totally scared me. I still couldn't find any additional information. It's very, it was very, very well, it wasn't well known. And then what happened was there was a change where it became super popular. In the probably the past 10 years, it's become very common knowledge. Project Blue Beam is this. It's really blown up. This is my theory. My theory is that it was a real plan. Not the ghost stuff. Get rid of the ghost stuff. I think that the government did have the technology to do this stuff. And Surge got this information out. And he was taken out of the game. And they were suppre- They were actively suppressing the conspiracy theory you know, for 20 years. And then eventually someone said, we're not going to do that. Like, the plan's not going to work now. It would have worked back then, but nowadays with CGI being so popular, it's just not going to work. So then they stopped suppressing it, and that's why it's so popular nowadays. That's my theory. That it was actually a plan on the table to use in some fashion, and the information got out, and they were actively pushing it off the grid. And then they just decided not to do it, because now you can find the information anywhere. So uh, you type in Project Bluebeam, now you'll find more resources, a ton of YouTube videos and stuff like that. But as a skeptic, we do have to look at a couple different things here real quick. I know the episode's running long, but the whole story about Serge and his kids, I was like, oh, that's crazy. Like, what terrible... I wasn't able to find any confirmation that he had kids. I couldn't find any article with the names of his kids. His kids disappeared after it. What happened to him afterwards? They never came forward and say, I believe that my father was killed by the government. They just kind of disappeared. So that story may not be true. We do know that he died, and he... Got arrested, apparently, but I don't I, I don't know the details. But again, if you're actively suppressing it, those kids could just have gone into the foster system and then us never know about them. But I did think that was weird that that story just kind of ended. Now, the biggest pushback to Project Bluebeam is that there was actually a link to an unproduced Star Trek script where there was a guy 
basically using technology to control a planet. Eventually, it was written for Star Trek. It was called Star Trek Next Voyage or Star Trek The Next Journey. It was a They were going to do a sequel to the original television show, and they decided to do the movie instead. The script that was unproduced went on to be made in 1991 called Devil's Due for Star Trek The Next Generation. And The Devil's Due is, it's actually a pretty good episode. I liked it. This alien, this woman shows up to this planet and she projects herself as a hologram in the sky. She causes earthquakes. She does take on the form of the Christian devil and the Klingon devil. And she captures the Enterprise and she's like, you belong to me. Everyone on this planet belongs to me. They made a deal with me a thousand years ago that I would stop their famine. And then they find out that there's just like a cloaked ship off orbit who, and she has this technology that's more powerful than even the Enterprise, they weren't able to tell that it was just holograms. They thought it could be something else. So it could be that he saw the original unproduced script for that Star Trek episode, or he'd heard rumors about it and came up with this idea. It could even be that he had a basic idea of what he thought Project Blue Beam was, and the Star Trek episode came out and they melded it together. Could be that he saw the, it, it's totally made up. It could be that he saw the Star Trek episode and thought that was predictive programming, that the media will always tell you what happens before it happens, which is not true. So it could have been, you know, oh, they always got to tell us what they do before they do it. That's why they put it in this obscure episode of Star Trek. We don't know. He could have just been a guy who was writing fanciful stuff. And he died of a heart attack. And it was something that has just kind of grown with time. It could have been, he could have been someone who discovered actual proof that the governments of the world were going to use this program and they took him out. It could also be a little bit of both. It could be that he had an inkling of the truth. He knew he knew enough to be dangerous, but the stuff he didn't know, he filled in the blanks and that's what made it ridiculous. He could have had knowledge of certain parts of the plan and certain pieces of the technology, and it was just enough for the government to go, he's too close. This is too close to what we're trying to do. We may never do it. It's a backup plan. We may never need it, but we can't let this get out. Yeah, the the ghost jumping out of all this. And I know I keep going back to that, but it's just so ridiculous. You know, he added in all this demonic stuff. We're not going to do that, but we do have this satellite that can project these images. He knows too much. So we're going to suppress this story. And, you know, after a period of time, they're like, uh, forget it. They may, they've pay, stopped paying their suppression bills. And so the story, and they're like, I thought we were suppressing that. Nah, we're not going to do that, Barry. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. We're not going to do that. Did he get assassinated? You know, that's the question. He was 51 years old. He was very, very overweight. He had a heart attack. That's not... You know, that's not a statistical anomaly. That's definitely possible. That's in the realm of possibility. Did his kids get taken away? Again, that's the story, but I wasn't able to find any proof of that. If I have anyone from Quebec listening, I I actually do have some Quebec listeners, but probably not anymore because I'm sure I'm mispronouncing the name of your province. But if you can dig up some police files, I'm like, yes, go, go find police files on this guy who may have been assassinated by the government and get back to me. So that's the story of Project Bluebeam and its author, Serge Monast. Did he have kids? Was he killed? Is that part of the story true? Did he stumble across some hidden technology that was going to be used on a later date? I don't know. I have my theory. But I think the story behind Bluebeam is just as interesting as the story of Bluebeam itself. 
deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. <laughs>